Morning, everybody. It's good to see uh, a lot of you that I haven't seen in a while back in town. It's nice to have you guys. Welcome. All right. I've got this nifty carpet to stand on now. I guess this defines my range. <laughs> or something. Is that what's supposed to happen here? Um, you guys, many of you will remember Alec, who worked for Obi Joyful for a couple of years. He left in the fall to go back to uh, Scotland to finish his theology degree. Uh, those real smart theologians we just send away. Um, you got me. Um, and uh, anyway, he's over there right now. And one of the impacts that he had on me, besides just being a great friend, was that he uh, got me into Premier League soccer. Is there anybody in here who likes Premier League? Oh. Yep. Let's see. All right. So I don't even know that guy. And he, he's already assimilating the culture of just correct Scott, you know, while he's talking. <clears throat> You're correct, Premier League football. Um, he, uh, he, we loved it. And, you know, some of the best things about Premier League are that, or that kind of football is that there are no commercials. Thank you. And there's no, nobody plays like we are the champions 30 times during the game. Out loud on the loudspeaker, it's the singing of the crowd. That's awesome. You know, it's just fun. It's different than what we have over here in America, and I really enjoy that. And uh, I picked uh, Liverpool to be my team last year, which was an excellent decision, I must say. Who's your team? Oh. That's okay. I can, I can tell you're from the southern part of that place over there, so it's okay. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. And Alec, Alec, if you're watching this, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your team. Okay. They're not doing so. But uh, anyway, when one of the things about culture, almost all cultures, but in particular Western culture today, is that we love winners. We love winners. I'm happy because Liverpool is at the top of the league. You might be faithful to a team and love them through thick and thin, but you really love it when they win. But that, that's just um, one way to look at it. We love what makes people celebrity. We love what makes people famous, even though sometimes we don't even know what that is. When they seem to appear to have won, we like that. And it, it can be financial success, it can be the appearance of success, it can be status or power. Uh, beauty has a, a big role to play in that. And they, these things all weave together. And so we love stories of success. And the story that the book of Hebrews takes us to today, the story of Daniel, is a story of a man who had success. I mean, he is a success story. He follows God throughout his life. That's one of those things that you just rarely see in any part of the Scripture, in particular in the Hebrew Scripture, in the Old, in the Old Testament. But one of the things that I, w- I want to do with us is I want us to try to find a biblical understanding of success. See, we're looking at people who make really good decisions in the midst of 
a, a real tension around their faith. Like what they believe about God and who he is and what he's called them to is going to determine if they make a good decision or not. And it's always, all of these situations are, are very difficult and they're very realistic to us, even though we may not be in the position of Daniel. We can still relate to what happened to him within his culture. See, we, we need to have a biblical understanding of success and not mix up success or our understanding of it with our culture, with beauty, with wealth, with comfort. It's a paradigm shift. And so I want to ask you, with me, and I've been trying to to think about, and I've actually, honestly, I've avoided this a little bit. Because if I really want to apply what I'm learning from the life of Daniel and what we're supposed to see in his story, we're we're not supposed to see his success in that he survives. What we're supposed to see is his decision of faith. Right? Success as defined by the Bible, brings glory and honor to Jesus. Okay? In this case, they didn't know about Jesus yet. They knew something was coming. but So they brought honor to God when they were successful. For us, we know about Jesus. And when we are successful, we bring glory, we lift him up. We bring glory to Jesus. Now, what I want to tell you is if you're not a believer, this is going to sound really weird to you because success really is comfort at whatever level we define that, the freedom to do the things we want to do, power, relationships, wherever, whatever it is that, that uh, is the thing that motivates you from a personal human point of view. But y'all, if we're really honest with ourselves, if you're a believer, success is when Jesus is lifted up. There may be in your life, success. You may be blessed. Our blessing, our comfort, our beauty, our aesthetic, our whatever it is, is not what we are after if we are really following Jesus, which we claim to do. It's His glory. So, you can be, and I'm trying to do this too, like I said, I'm trying to avoid this, saying, okay, where am I headed? What am I about? What am I trying to do in life? If my goals have, have sorted themselves down to the culture and what the culture says is the best thing, then I am aiming at the wrong things. But if I'm aiming at Jesus being lifted up, that is success, whether my story sounds like Daniel's at the end or not. That's the main thing that I want you to hear today. The, the witness, if you will, that's what this, the author of Hebrews calls these kind of hero, heroes of the faith. Uh, the one we're going to look at today is Daniel. And I want to read to you from Hebrews. So this is from the New Testament. And he's talking about people in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people. This is in chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's today. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. See, the byproduct of lifting God up in their circumstances 
often was that he blessed them. They experienced that or the people experienced it. That is a byproduct. It's not the end goal. You see what I'm saying? We sang about victory just a minute ago. Not our victory. Victory in Jesus. Because he in ignominy went to the cross in a borrowed grave, right, for us. That was success. So I'm just suggesting that our target may be changed if we really think about what we're supposed to hear from the story of Daniel. That our target becomes lifting Jesus up instead of finding comfort and peace and health. Relationships. A degree. Recognition. Respect. So Daniel is a guy who was uh, taken from his nation, the Israelite nation, so he's, he's in Jerusalem, he's taken to Babylon as a young man, he's a teenager, right? Now that has got to be an upsetting step in your life, to be ripped away from your family. And the thing was, he was a part of the sort of the talented and gifted program. He was that kind of kid. It says he was handsome, he was, you know, he had all those kind of winning things going for him. They took him away to access his knowledge of that culture and have him as someone who, who consulted with, the, um, with that uh, leadership pool as a young man. So they took several of these people away, and he grows up, and you know some of his story. You know, he, he uh, is friends with those guys who are put into the, uh, to this kiln, basically, but they survive, right? The, the story of Daniel from beginning to end is one where he chooses to make faithful decisions about his God. Well, he's 80 years old when we pick up this story that Katie just read to us. He's in Babylon, but Babylon's been taken over and taken over. So he's, he's moved through a couple of generations of leaders who have adopted him and some of the other leaders below him, with him, to lead in the new nations. Okay, so they come in, conquer, and they don't just take all leadership out because they need to know how to run it, Right. So they hire, basically, or adopt these people into their political structure. And that's where we find him. But Daniel, a Jewish guy, has been put over these people that he was, uh, in a a way, let me see if I can say this. A A new ruler comes in, and he picks Daniel, especially of three, to be one of three, to, to rule over hundreds of people. And these people don't like that. These governors, the satraps, the leaders, they don't like submitting to this guy. So they want to find a way to get rid of him. They go to the new leader and they say, hey, we've got an idea. Make a law to show your power that no one can pray to anyone else but you. In other words, no one can pray for a 30-day period. Right? So this is their way of saying, okay, we've got a great idea for you to establish your leadership. Do this. Well, they know that the only way that they can take care of Daniel and take him out uh, and have a chance to be in his position is to attack him, not around his character, but around his religion, his faith. So that's what they do. They set this up and they say, you know what, leader, you really like Daniel. You can see what he can do. Uh, But aside from that, what we want to do is make sure that you uh, set up a rule you can't rescind because you'll lose your you'll lose face, and uh, you're going to as- make sure that everyone associates with you with power, 
in, in the meantime, that's going to wipe Daniel out. So last week, uh, if you were here, Luke, uh, a friend of mine, spoke to us. And one of the things he said is that we have to have a biblical understanding of our God. Not have an understanding that we make up or that we get from the world or music or anything else. We need to have a biblical understanding of God. And I really appreciate him saying that because it, it's so true. And we need to have a biblical understanding of success. Of what it means, really, to win in life. And that's what we're going to see right here. Three points. In Daniel's life, you see a passion for God, you see a practice of faith, and you see predictable consequences. All right? Passion for God, practice of faith, and predictable consequences. So, Daniel's passion for God. Let's talk about that for a minute. When we're passionate about something, it's almost like other things don't matter. Have you ever gotten like into a workout routine or a diet plan, Right? And you're like, I don't even care about those other foods. I don't care about what I used to do to work out. I, you know, we get obsessed. Or you've had a crush. Anybody had a crush? You know, you remember when Alfie goes, I'm in love and I don't care if anybody knows about it. Right? We don't care. We're fo- we get focused in on something that we're really, that is really important to us. It's, uh, sometimes that's infatuation. Sometimes it's passion. Sometimes it's obsession. But in, in Daniel's case, it was a persistent passion throughout his life, which is just so refreshing to see that it's possible that in the most difficult circumstances, we can be passionate about God for a really long time. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't appreciate that Walker joke either. Had one of those. Saw uh, saw Owen come in with his dad this morning, and Owen. I mean, he's been he's been out of surgery like six days, and he's like click 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 on his crutches. I think I was like, I I didn't think I got out of my bed. Um, but amazing, he's going to get better quickly. Um, but Daniel is not obsessed with God. He doesn't have a fleeting, you know, uh, CrossFit like. You know, saying, I love this so much. This is what I do right now. Um, you know how you know if someone does CrossFit. There it is. Thanks, Whitney. They'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. They will tell you. Daniel is devoted to his relationship with God. He just is. Because his goal is not to be lifted up himself But his goal is to lift God up in the daily, one after the other decisions and in his life overall. Many of you uh, may have seen that uh, National Geographic documentary called Free Solo um, on Alex Honnold. And that guy is obsessed in in a long-term passionate way with pushing himself to the very limits of what can be done. If you haven't seen it, he climbs uh, El Capitan 3,000 feet with no ropes uh, in four hours, under four hours. And in the, they tell the story over the process of the show. You should watch it if you haven't seen it and make your hands sweat. You could actually lose weight watching the show. So hydrate beforehand. Um, seriously, I, I was, yeah. At, but one of the things that happens in the show is they're talking about he, his, his relationships. 
and he has this girlfriend. This girl meets him at a book signing. She just falls for him. They start this relationship. And there's this crazy tension in there because most of the guys in this room would have been, you know what, I'm giving up climbing for this girl. He even says in the documentary, if I had to choose between her and, and the rock wall, there's no question. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship that is. <laughs> and I wonder where they're at now. But you, you feel this tension around his priorities, around his passion for what he does. And yeah, he's one of those one in a million people who does one thing so, so well, so focused on. But the thing we, that I see in there that reminds me of Daniel is that everything else melts away for, because of his passion for what he is doing, what he's been made to do. Right? Success in following Jesus. Success in our world means that Jesus is lifted up in the end no matter what happens to us. That's the principle. So let's go back to the story for just a minute. So the ruler, Darius, he signs this edict and he says, if anyone prays for 30 days, they're going to face a violent, horrible, crushing death. Right? Now this would cause me to lay low. But Daniel, look at this in 6.10. I think we could start this in verse 10 by saying, even when Daniel knew that the document, the edict, had been signed. He went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber facing towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. I mean, this guy's life is bookended with confidence in God. Which reminds me, it's never too early to start to have confidence in him and it's never too late never too late now, I'd love to have that kind of confidence I mean he just I think I would like I said I would lay low like if there were big rules about what you could do spiritually I'd be like okay I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody or up you know kind of lay low but he there's no comment about it. he was afraid or he did this or he went around the back way and closed the doors. He, he just went and did what he usually did. He prayed. Uh, I, I'm going to pick on Whitney again, just coincidentally. One thing I love about Whitney, if you've been around her at all, is that she will talk about Jesus to anyone, anytime. True? You guys who know her? Okay, so I love hearing her story. She's like, yeah, I was with these people and they're pretty wild, but, you know, I was riding, talking to this one guy and I was just talking about Jesus with him and, and he's like, yeah, I'm interested in hearing more. Like, you can't. She's just so comfortable with that. It's her practice, what she does. I love seeing that. It encourages me. Because she has a passion for Jesus that overcomes her concern about what people think about her. Right? That has to be true. So her testimony for Jesus in our town and with the young people of our town is very strong. Encourages me on the other end of that. 
So Daniel has this overcoming and overwhelming passion for God. And he, and he allows that to drive his decisions rather than fear or rules or culture or anything like that. Okay, so that's one thing, passion for God. The second is a practice of faith. A few, uh, maybe a year ago, we did a series about practices of faith, spiritual practices, like fasting and prayer and reading our Bible and fellowship and outreach and things like that. The different practices that we do as individuals who are trying to follow God. Well, his practice was that he would get down on his knees. This is at least one of his practices. Three times a day. Now, I'm not saying that's what you should do. Everybody does different things when we're following our Lord. But this was his. He wanted to pray, and so he adopted a form and a way to do it. He even had a physical mode of kneeling down and facing towards Jerusalem, like the open windows, the sky out there, and praying three times a day. So obviously really early, I guess, then sometime around noon and then evening. And when things came against him, he didn't change his practice, right? He had established a practice that made a difference in what people knew about him. In fact, I would say like this, his private practice had public consequences, right? Let me say this, private sin has public consequences. Private acts of walking with God. Private spiritual practices have public consequences, outcomes. And in this case, people knew that he was a follower of the one true God. He has this absolute confidence that I, I just, I love the way he just goes right to it. When he heard, he prayed. I mean, if I think about that, what that means to my life, and I wonder if you could can do it too. Does the walk that I have with Jesus, private, there are public aspects of it or whatever, could I be convicted? You know? I don't know. So there's a passion for God. There's a practical outworking of our faith, this practice. But there are predictable results of this situation, of what happens. The predictable result is this, that culture rejects him. Right? Occasionally, when we're following Jesus, we get appreciated. We're like, oh, that's neat. You acted with character. I really like that. You know, they don't make Jesus look that bad. I hear some things like that about overjoyful. I guess that's a compliment. Um, it's a start. Occasionally, for following Jesus, you could be appreciated. But most of the time, y'all, when we really follow him, we're swimming upstream. We're just swimming upstream. Well, Daniel gets convicted of his crime, and Darius is really upset about it. He was really looking forward to working with Daniel. But that's not going to happen, because he can't go back. He's got to save face. So he, he proceeds. Let me read it to you. Daniel six sixteen. The king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. 
And a stone was broad and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting, and no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. That sleep fled from him sounds like the uh, over 50 group that they're going to be talking to. Um, That may be part of your curse. The next morning, Daniel is safe. Daniel is safe. Darius arrives. He's totally relieved. They move the stone. He calls out. He says, Daniel, are you there? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. They bring Daniel out. This miracle. Um, Then a really harsh and hard thing happens. There's just one little line about it. The ringleaders of the people who were persecuting Daniel are just thrown into the lion's den. And that doesn't go well for them. And every time we come across really harsh and cruel sounding things in the scripture, we have to to sit there and let it soak in for a minute. Um, Sin has had incredibly horrible consequences in our world. Um, That was a barbaric culture. We have one that is not far away from that. But um, the family was condemned uh, with the perpetrator. And so the whole family was thrown in. Um, And by the command of that king, that's how that ended. Um, that's, that's a hard thing. The Bible doesn't shy away from telling us the hardest things that are part of the story. But Daniel survives. And I'm asking myself, well, what if Daniel had died? What if the, the, the lions ate him? How would this story be different? Well, number one, it would stop at chapter six. We'd be done. We'd be like, okay, we're done. We're out of here. Uh... Also, you know, the, the little kids' bags this week have a, a picture to color in of Daniel and the smiling lions. It would be a different picture. It would be gross. We'd, we'd only give red crayons, right? Um, what if he had died? Would he have been successful? There's a similar story in the New Testament. It's one of my favorite little windows in the book of Acts where you see the heart of Jesus' followers in the midst of swimming upstream in their culture. Uh, Peter and some of the the other disciples, now the apostles, are um, preaching and and all these miracles are happening around them in that culture. And the, the ruling religious people, the people who put Jesus to death, who signed that death warrant, they're really upset about it. So what they do is they abuse them. They put them in prison. They beat them. And I want to just read to you one little aspect, one little experience that they had. This is from Acts 5. I think we're going to put it up here. And when they brought him, this is Acts 5, 27. When they brought them, this Peter and his friends, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in Jesus' name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with that teaching, and you intend to bring his blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. In verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. And then 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they brought them back again before them. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And here's the cool part. This is the part I love. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. 
See, that, that just flies in the face of how we think about what success looks like. Their success was to be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. And every day in the temple, regardless, and from house to house, they didn't cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Well, let, me, let me wrap up with this. I'll just repeat that main point again. Success, in fact, if, if you're in the band and you're going to play, why don't you all come on up and I'll close. From a biblical point of view, it isn't wealth, it isn't comfort, it isn't beauty, it isn't aesthetic, it isn't sports capability, it isn't like trophies and power and, and developments and things, degrees and respect and being loved and having relationships. Those, those could be a part of your story. Success is that all eyes are focused on Jesus. So let me read you what Darius writes. And I'll close with this. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues gospel. He works signs and wonders in the heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions.